The Start On Demand. On demand. It's Friday, time to celebrate, but make sure you do so safely. New rules on impaired driving are about to take effect in Canada. We'll find out what's changing and what you could expect if you get pulled over. We'll meet a man from Tampa who's in Winnipeg for the Jets Lightning game on Sunday, and he will tell us why he loves our city. We've got some great cocktail ideas for your Christmas party, courtesy of Winnipeg's Caesar champion bartender from Garbanzo's. And is it okay to go to the potluck at work? If you don't bring anything, I'm Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the podcast for the start. Party season is upon us, but changes are coming. Yeah, and while that might have you planning what to wear, what to serve, even what to drink as we as we gather and discuss this morning, but are you planning how you will get home at night? The cost of getting caught impaired while driving is going up in Manitoba. The changes will likely come into effect sometime in 2019, but there are other tweaks coming sooner. In fact, on December 18th, to explain more on how the law works, we caught up with Sergeant Kyle McFadden of the RCMP, who says no matter how many times they say it, many Manitobans still aren't getting it. I guess it's frustrating for us because we do a lot of advertising uh, to say we're out there, and uh, and it's not just the Christmas season. I mean, we don't want to get that message across, but uh, it's, it's quite uh, popular now that people know that we are out there uh, more concentrated efforts during the holiday season because uh, it's perceived there's an increase in uh, the social activities at that time of year. Is it that there aren't enough options for people? People make bad decisions because why? I, I think that's what people are trying to get to the bottom of here, Kyle, because we do the, these advertising campaigns all the time. We talk about it on radio. Uh, there's not anyone in society that has a driver's license that doesn't know they're not supposed to drink and drive. You're absolutely right. Like There is no acceptable excuse uh, for it. There are plenty of options, There's uh, and this is simply comes down to people making poor choices, and these poor choices have, uh, essentially affect the rest of their life. And that's uh, if it goes as good as, as it can, because the reality is we're trying to stop the fatalities. That's what it comes down to. You and I, we all share these same set of roadways. Uh, and we just don't want these people that choose to, you know, either drink and drive or drive well impaired by uh, anything else on the roads. That's what it comes down to. What's the law right now? If I'm, if I'm caught impaired driving now, what, what are the rules? Not much has changed here uh, as we approach December 18th. There's a, there's a, a reform or a rewrite of the criminal code that's happening. There's a few minor uh, differences that are taking effect right now, coming up. Uh, aside from the rewrite, the, as far as the, the motoring public needs to know, the laws are very, very similar. Uh, one big change that's happening is the uh, legal limit is being lowered uh, slightly. It used to be uh, drive over 80 milligrams percent. Uh, now it'll include 80 and up. Uh, that's one of the big ones. And the other thing is the introduction of the mandatory alcohol screening. And why, do, with that mandatory alcohol screening, why do a breathalyzer if there are no signs of impairment? You know, I can't speak as to how it's going to be applied at this time. Uh, right now, there's a change in the law, and uh, we're looking at the best ways uh, to use it. What comes after that, how it's applied now, uh, how it's applied two months from now, that may all change as well. And and that's uh, that's ongoing, just like we do with our current uh, impaired driving legislation. But would there be would there be a benefit to doing a breathalyzer on somebody if they don't do not appear in any way to be drunk? Well, at this point, it's an extra tool available to us. So uh, again, how it's going to be applied? Uh, I mean, it, it's going to be a benefit to us. Clearly, it gives us additional options. Uh, however, there is some legalities around it that we are looking into. Uh, you know, and, and we know that uh, you know these these processes have to go through a court uh, system, and when it does that, uh, sometimes it brings to light some better best practices moving forward. Sergeant, one of the complaints the the public has is when we set up these check stops that other infractions are enforced. I know it's Im- impossible to overlook some things that are obvious, but. Do, do you, what do you say? What is your answer to those that get frustrated when it turns into a situation where people are getting tickets for a burnt out taillight or uh, other infractions, Highway Traffic Act infractions? 
at the end of the day, all the laws that are put in place are essentially there for road safety. So for us, I mean, we we can't say that on this day we're going to enforce all these rules or that. But you know, the officers have the, the right to enforce all the laws when they come across, especially if they, you know, if it poses a safety to the public. So. When we do these tech stops, uh, you know, it depends on a variety of factors, and I won't get into specifics because it can be, you know, a, a decision made by the officers at the time. Uh, but essentially, we, that's our opportunity as well to correct other measures. What do you say to people? And I hear this often. Um, you know, the rules are changing, so you're at point zero eight now or, or higher, and they'll say, "Well, that for me is two beers, or that for me is two glasses of wine, or three glasses of wine." And everyone seems to have this rationale of, of what they think they can consume, consume and drive safely. The reality is, there is no safe amount of alcohol that you can consume and and drive. Uh, all these factors affect people differently. Um, so, if for us to say, "Yeah, you're okay with this," would just be completely uh, irresponsible on our part because you cannot account for all the factors. So. Our messaging is that there is no safe amount of alcohol. If you choose to have any alcohol to drink, make uh, alternative arrangements. Sergeant Kyle McFadden with the RCMP. So once again, across this country on December 18th, officers will now be able to implement a breathalyzer regardless of whether or not there are signs of impairment before they had to have reasonable grounds to implement a breathalyzer, but now they can just do it. So if you're out driving... Again, like it's not obviously it's not about getting caught, but you are at greater risk of being caught. So just don't do it, regardless of your reasons for not doing it, as long as you're not doing it. And that was the That's thing when I, when I asked the question about what, you know, I'm a person that can have two drinks and be fine. You don't know that. You've never, like, if you've never blown on a breathalyzer and every day is different. And I often, my rule now is with this new shift and being so tired, like one drink is not a good idea. For me, period. So it's just the, the it's the, it's now a zero tolerance. Policy. Well, you're you're tempted to call it an educated guess. It's not even educated. It's a pure guess. Well, they have yeah. you know they have weights and things about different alcohols. Oh, sure. and all but that it's kind still of stuff. A guess based on your metabolism and like you say, what? How much did you sleep this week? What have what you had you to eat, eat today? Yeah. Did you exercise? So many factors. Just don't risk it. What do you think about the mandatory test, like a mandatory roadside breathalyzer? I think it would probably help them catch more people because I'm sure there are people who are very good at hiding their symptoms, right? You know, they if they they can people can beat a lie detector, so maybe they can also beat the initial screening, right? Just because you're not you don't show signs that you're drunk doesn't mean you're not. So I think it's good that they now have the ability to do that and if they can keep more people who are impaired off the road, I think that's great. <music> Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, Jeff Braun is here, Kelly Moore is here, Jeff Forte. We have our office potluck today here at Chorus Radio in Winnipeg. So we have a, a number of questions about potluck etiquette, or maybe you've got a story to tell about a potluck. Jeff Braun, I'd be curious to know. <laughs> yeah, because I'm such the cook. <laughs> have you ever contributed to a I potluck? I have. I used to come uh, to the one that work here every time, every year, and I'd bring a big box of Christmas oranges. And then uh, people would make snarky comments about how it wasn't really cooking, so I stopped going. Really? Yeah. That's a generous... Who, who doesn't like the Christmas Jeez. orange, though? That's a judgy pot. Why don't you bring some celery and carrots and see if that works? Uh, yeah, sure. He would, but I usually have them eaten. <laughs> she eats yeah. them, yeah. So what if I go then and don't bring anything? Wow. No, seriously. Can't. Why? You can't. Because that's the, the nature... That's your admission <laughs> well, what if, is, I, is is a dish. That's that's what it costs to get in. It's not Halloween, you know. I'm going. Jeff, I'm, what do you I'm think? I'm walking in without anything. <laughs> Me, well, I, I can't I can't cook. So what I would do, I would do what Mrs. Delfire did after she failed at cooking, set her chest on fire. I would <laughs> I would order out. I would order out and make it look like I cooked it. Oh, I thought nice. you meant you were going to start a fire as a distraction and steal some food. <laughs> hey, that also works. Please, dude, I'm hungry. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you, McNabb. I feel like if there's a potluck at work and if somebody wants to, to participate... Yeah, even if they haven't brought anything, I don't see the harm in that. Well, you need to be invited. But we're you, all you, invited you, you, to the potluck. And you need to be humble then... about it. You can't be just all Miss Cocky here, just walk, barge <laughs> oh, in. Just, I'm yeah. eating whatever I want. I'm going to the front of the line, even though I didn't bring He's, anything. I'm not going to do that. You are going to I'm do not, that. I'm just oh, going to You in. are so. Because it happens every year where, and this is the, I'm going to actually try to participate this year. I didn't sign up, but I figured, I signed up for Secret Santa. I'm going to go to the potluck. I usually so stay anonymous. Sneak in. You're sneaking in. Well, I got, I have to go get something, but 
There have been, in potlucks in years past, if I've been in the vicinity of the potluck, people will say, oh, help yourself. And I'll say, I didn't bring anything. Oh, that's okay. People yeah. always end up saying it. So there's this this kind of shame and anger beforehand, but afterwards, <laughs> like, ah, that's okay. Just have some. We're all having fun. They don't I, mean it. They don't mean it. Yes, they do. No, I, they don't. We've oh, had that's po- too bad, then. No, we've had pot. T- we do one on television every year, too, yeah. and I often bring something. Yeah. But I've never once assumed that e- there was 30 dishes on the table for Did the you bring 40 people that were. No, I didn't. I'm just saying that I've never, <laughs> I've, as a person who's brought dishes, I've never looked around the table and been like, hang on, before you scoop that <laughs> into your mouth, what did you bring here? Okay, so we have a great text message here. And our texter says, at our work, if you don't bring anything, you must pay $10 to cover the extra, yeah. extra cost. Plates, napkins, cutlery, etc. Right. Now, yeah. I'm assuming that maybe corporate has pitched in for that. So what if we had a rule here that if you didn't bring anything, you bring 10 bucks or like for a, the Christmas cheer right, board. Right, or so a non-perishable we, item or something. We'd end up with 50 people sitting around with $500 in a <laughs> pot and no food. But you, you, that's why you have the sign-up sheet. Like, there has to be yeah. another option. Some people don't cook. We work weird shifts. It's hard to bring in food. That's keep it hot. Like, I don't know how to do all that now at 4 a.m. Like, I think there has to be another option. Are there not microwaves in the kitchens? Kelly, shh, what did you bring? Are there, I brought uh, two, about two and a half to three dozen cabbage rolls. Do you rolls. mean what did we bring? Yeah. Kelly and I Kelly and Loren are now a couple. Kelly at least I until noon today. Have some cabbage rolls at home. Yeah. What do you think of Look our family recipe? Yeah, hey? that's right. It's like the chat and cut. At uh, the buffet line. Oh, hey, Brett. Yeah. How you doing, buddy? Yeah. Nice to see you. I haven't been here for a while. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, here's a plate for you. Here's a plate for me. Yeah, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> well, and on that, so Kelly brought cabbage rolls. Sorry, Kelly, Kelly and Loren brought cabbage rolls. Yeah. Jeff has been scolded in the past for bringing a, a big box of oranges. So is there some? Is there anything to that, the, the, the effort that goes into it? I personally don't care. An, or, an orange is still a delicious snack. And a cabbage, I actually don't like cabbage rolls. No, I'm sure they're, they're and, great and I'm by sure, cabbage roll And I'm sure your standards. potato chips will be very popular yeah, at the I'll, I'll The most popular thing in ones. the history of the CJOB potluck lunch was one time a guy went to McDonald's and bought 50 cheeseburgers and brought those. Nice. Yeah. That would be yeah. a hit. Well, we'll skip the dishes now. Can, I mean, it would be pretty easy just to order something and bring that for a potluck. Heather just said three words, Loren. Skip the dishes. Heather, you're not hearing my theory here. My theory is that I really think I can get away with this. I really do. What if I, maybe I'll just run with uh, Brett to the chip store and get a box of candy you know canes what, McDab, or something. If you could just be kind of incognito for one second in your life, maybe you could sneak in. But I can't. Hurricane McNabb will never, ever be able to go in undetected. <laughs> Under the radar. Just yeah. not going to happen. Yeah, I don't know that I'm going to get a bag of chips. I, I want to go to Safeway and see if there's something but edible that would be nice for a potluck. pre-cooked food there. The yeah. You can get like a fruit platter or something. Yeah. The, the effort's important, but you you want, like, the reason why they do the whole list is you do want diversity. Like, you, yeah. don't, you don't want just 16 dishes of meatballs or, like, all cabbage rolls. Like, so the cheese jello platter. Jello salad. Or yeah. A, yeah, that's why I got to go look at the list to see what's going to be I will judge that jello salad even though I brought nothing. <laughs> <laughs> You know what's going to happen at the potluck this year? McNabb's going to start a food fight. It's <laughs> a massive distraction and then fill her plate exactly. and then come and sit back in the newsroom yeah. and, and enjoy. And she won't care because she has enough clothes left here. She can make about three changes. I'm going to invite point, Braun Kelly. to come with me and we'll sit in the corner and we'll cackle madly at you fools. <laughs> Yeah, I have to. Oh. I have to be there anyway because I'm part of the Secret Santa. So I don't want to be in the potluck area and not be able to participate because I didn't bring anything <laughs> and have people. I mean, I guess I could lie and just say, "Oh yeah, yeah, I brought Kelly uh, Moore's cabbage rolls." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Kelly and I worked on those. Yeah. I mean, no, Kelly had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> It was all me. Yeah. No. Well, here's a texture after my own heart. We had a manager from Saskatchewan. By the way, we sent him back. He brought, uh, for potluck, prairie oysters. Hmm. That was our last potluck. Everybody knows what prairie yeah. oysters are, yeah. right? Okay. Just want to make sure. I don't, but I'm Googling now. <laughs> Google it now, McNabb. Don't hit the image part. <laughs> oh, Kristen says, our work potluck is all-inclusive. If you guys don't let Loren in, then she's welcome to join her... 
Christmas potluck. Thank you, Kristen. What time? What can- on, she says the bad news is it's on Christmas Day. <laughs> oh. I was, and I was about to say, what can I bring? But she knows yeah. I don't mean it. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Perfect. Your sparkling personality. <laughs> don't you typically mean when you say, oh, what can I bring? Aren't you anticipating the don't bring a thing? Just bring your smile. Yeah. And yeah. I got that. Here I am. <laughs> I look forward to seeing that. Thank you for all. We're getting lots of text message suggestions. Very much appreciate that. In a moment, we want to talk about in-home services available to Manitoba families dealing with mental illness. But first, we just want to quickly mention something that's happening at uh, Victoria General Hospital, Loren McNabb. Yeah, the health minister will be there this afternoon, along with folks from the WRHA, just to talk about what they're calling a new mental health inpatient space at Victoria Hospital. Uh, this is, I believe, part of some of the changes that have happened at Victoria when they took away the emergency room there but put in an urgent care unit. They also talked about expanding their mental health capacity. I'm not sure how much this adds to the system, so we'll be learning more details on that uh, later this afternoon. You'll hear more on Hal's show as well as R- Richard and Julie's. And just learning from one of our listeners, uh, and once again, that's where it's coming from, is uh, that they just redid the mental health unit at Grace Hospital. And so we're just curious as to what role that unit will play. Is it moving to Victoria Hospital? So there will be several questions to be asked without doubt at this announcement. A Winnipeg organization has launched a new level of mental health support for families. And joining us on the line to tell us about it is Angela Taylor with Inspire Community Outreach. Angela, good morning to you. Good morning. So, you first of all, Inspire Community Outreach. Tell us a little bit about what you folks do. Oh, I'd love to. Um, we founded in October 2013, and we support youth and families with unique challenges and celebrate their strengths. So we support um, families that have kind of fallen between the cracks. You have some personal experience here, Angela, that in your own childhood growing up, um, had had a situation that I think helps you relate to what many kids or even adults might be going through now. Do you care to share a bit about that? Absolutely. Um, I I share freely that I grew up with invisible disabilities. I was in the foster care system and I was labeled with complex needs. And I understand firsthand exactly how it feels to not have the services that you need to thrive in our society. Angela, is this essentially a clearinghouse for those services where people can learn about what is available and how to access it? Because I think for a lot of folks, that's the first question is, where do I go? Where do I, where do I start once they've had the, the strength to reach out on behalf of somebody they love or on behalf of themselves? Yeah, well, we definitely offer a little bit of that. Um, we know we know firsthand, I'm also a parent of children with disabilities um, and mental health conditions, how hard it is to navigate the system. There is another organization that offers a little bit of that, and we work hand-in-hand with about 26 other organizations that offer excellent services to make sure that we're not redoing anything that's already great. Um, but the in-home support is very, very unique, where we're actually going directly in the home um, for families that are in, in experiencing high levels of distress over a long period of time and aren't able to access any of the supports that are available, which there's actually thousands of us, including my own family. So those are the families that we're going to be going right into their home and providing therapeutic support over um, three to four months and getting them ready to access services in the community by just working alongside them. You mentioned they're unable to access those other services and resources. What's preventing that? Help us understand. Sure. Um, The largest um, story that we hear time and time again is families that that have children who experience very high levels of distress, including mental health, and are not on a wait list. They don't have a diagnosis, and therefore they're not eligible for any of the services that are available. So we hear um, children from ages 8 to 12 that this is a very common occurrence. Um, the second the second thing that we hear is that folks maybe are on a wait list, but that the wait list is going to be about a year. And in the meantime, there's nothing for you. And so that's another area that we're really looking forward to supporting. And youth that are between the ages of 18 and 21 and up who had services as children and now the services are being reevaluated and revoked. So, for instance, if you have a communication device 
um, from the Manitoba government, it's sometimes taken away, even if you need it. So those are families that we're really looking to target and support. We're talking to Angela Taylor with Inspire Community Outreach about a new program that's being launched called In-Home Family Stabilization Unit. And they go into that, the house and the family's going to apply online to arrange that in-home meeting. Who's coming to the home then, Angela? Who's on that team that's going to be helping these parents and these children get through the, the next phase? Well, I, it's going to be me, you guys. <laughs> we are not um, core funded by the government. We're not affiliated with CFS or any other agency. Um, and so we, we're volunteer run and, and funded by donations. And so I'm going in the home. I, I'm a clinician. I've been working in the field for about 20 years. Um, and we have a, a very, very skilled team that has both lived experience but also clinical experience, which is very important to me. And we, um, and yeah, we, we're there. We're a very small team offering really big support. It sounds as though you're able to offer that support in a peer-to-peer sort of situation, something we've been hearing an awful lot about, the value of that. Maybe you could uh, expand on, on the value of peer-to-peer counseling and conversations. Well, I, I love it. In fact, um, it's one of my... Um, it's one of the things I lead with. So living with disabilities and experiencing my own um, challenges in my life, including being a parent, raising beautiful children with disabilities. Um, you know, it's almost like I look at another parent who, who has those same challenges and we just know each other. And so there's a comfort there. There's a, a feeling of trust that, that can't really, you can't really get to without knowing uh, what that other person experiences. And for me, it's about power sharing. I'm not the expert. You're the expert in your life. And I can just be here to work alongside you. Angela, for those listening right now, if they're thinking maybe that they can use your help, how do they reach out to you? Oh, please reach out to us at um, inspirecommunityoutreach.ca. Um, you can also email me if you feel more comfortable uh, working together to fill out the application form um, at info at inspirecommunityoutreach.ca, and I'd love to help. All right, Angela Taylor, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Once again, Angela Taylor from Inspire Community Outreach, Winnipeg organization launching a new level of mental health support for families. Matthew, what's going on in Seattle? Well, the evidence continues to pile up. If you don't hustle your teen out of bed and into the classroom early, they'll get more sleep and do better academically. The Sleep More in Seattle study published this week in the Science Advances Journal joins a pile of similar research in Canada and the United States in support of later school start times. For Hazel Ostrowski, a senior at Franklin High School in Seattle, she's able to sleep in a bit longer thanks to a later start time of 8.45, set in place by her school district two years ago. I think I definitely felt to sleep in. Mornings are a little easier for Hazel Ostrowski, a senior at Franklin High School in Seattle. She's able to sleep in a bit longer thanks to a later start time of 8.45, set in place by her school district two years ago. I think I definitely felt more awake when I had an extra hour of sleep. Hazel was one of more than 170 students who took part in a new study published Wednesday in the journal Science Advances. It found when school started later, students slept longer and their academic performance improved. I think that that really helped me complete my schoolwork, but also just be more interested in what I was learning. Researchers used wrist monitors to measure how long two different groups of sophomores slept. One group was monitored in 2016 when school started at 7.50 a.m. and the other group in 2017 when classes began almost an hour later at 8.45 a.m. Students who started class later slept an extra 34 minutes on school nights, and their grades improved an average of 4.5%. I have seen that there are far fewer tardies and absences in first period. A.J. Katsaroff is Hazel's biology teacher. 
She worked with researchers on the study and saw improved student performance firsthand. I see kids are generally more engaged in the work of the classroom, so very much more willing to participate than in the past. While the study has shown positive results for students' health and academics, it did not address potentially negative impacts on their after-school activities, which now might take place after dark. When you push the time back can be kind of difficult. So, I guess you don't, we shouldn't expect our local high schools to jump on board of this, Greg? No, uh, the Sleep Science Research Lab at Brown University, uh, Mary Karskaden, uh runs that, and she told Reuters more than a year ago that uh, there was another sleep study that recommended the same sort of idea that high schools start at 8.30 a.m. or later, and that start time is something we're going to talk about in just a sec. Efforts to delay the school bell are more likely to succeed best when parents and the teens themselves use better choices. In other words, set and stick to your bedtime. Limit all the pre-bedtime activities that might inadvertently make it harder for you to fall asleep. Then maybe focus could shift to start times. I was startled to learn that this student that they featured that their school actually started at 7.30 in the morning. Yeah, that, 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 that I've never heard of, quite frankly. The earliest start time I have ever known is at my kids' school. They start at 8.25. I don't remember starting school before 8.50 at any point but when e- I went to school. Even with the later start times here in Manitoba, so you said 8.25. Some people, I think it's 8.40, 8.45 in other parts. Like the Winnipeg School Division one year ago, actually, in December 2017, passed a motion to look into later start times for some of the schools here. And I'm actually not sure where that's at. I've got some calls out just to see if that actually went anywhere. But they talked about it, too, because they're trying to find that balance between just with high school kids in that teenage age where your your body's going through all sorts of changes that it might be helpful to have 20 more minutes of sleep. Yeah, I think for me it was 9 o'clock, and I pushed it every day. My dad had to wake me up every single day, multiple times a day. He could poke his head and Brett, wake up, Brett, get up, Brett, get up. And I'm sure it was very frustrating for him. But uh, I'm also just a natural night person, which I think actually is kind of why I can get away with doing this morning shift, because we get up in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. So that seems to be just my body seems to react better to waking to getting up. Like, if I have to get up for anything in the range of 6.30 to 7.30, especially in the summer or when there's daylight, I just have this natural aversion to it, I think because it reminds me of getting up to go to school. <laughs> Well, that could be. And I know in one school in Ontario, they pushed it back to 10 o'clock and Jack just texted in and said, I think this is more geared toward that. Well, maybe in Canada where we've been used to starting at 8.50, 8.45, 9 o'clock, that that would be the natural inclination. And that was always in my head until I read this article and watched that report that we're talking about changing from 7.30 till 8.30. Well, I like I say, I can't imagine getting up and having to be at school and be in class ready to go at 7.30. But I've always wondered with this topic of discussion, Loren, if they say, well, you don't have to be here till 10, aren't you just going to stay up later? Mm-hmm. And then that benefit is going to be wiped out quite quickly. At least that would be my which, prognosis. Which gets back to the advice from the science research lab at Brown University in the States saying, like, just have a better schedule Go to bed on on the same time. Get up at the same time, and you won't run into this. But I'm terrible. I will, I will push it to the limit every single time. Yeah, same here. I always push it way too late, and, uh, and almost every day. Even for this job, I go to bed late. I rarely nap, and I'll go to bed at eight thirty, nine o'clock, nine thirty, and oh, then when the alarm goes that. off. I think, why did I do that again? No, you know what I, I did. Last every time night? you say you watch the Jets game, yep. I'm like in awe of him. Getting up the next morning. Like, if I go to bed past 8.40, I'm not a nice person. Then I'm angry. (laughs) But I'm not going to sleep. food to the potluck. I'm not going to sleep because we're going to be wondering what happened in the hockey game. There was no way I was going to sleep. Come on. When the Jets were down. No, can't do it. 4-3, the Jets were down after two. But as soon as that game was over, I put on that podcast that we've got uh, for you at the Curious Cast website. Nothing happens here. Nothing happens here. Bedtime stories for adults. Oh, my gosh. Did it ever work? Really? I was down and out, I bet you, in three or four minutes. Highly recommend it. Give it a try. I uh, 
I promise you this, you won't regret at least giving it a shot. It's not going to work for everyone, but it definitely worked for me last night. Well, and in your case, it probably helped because you had just gone, had this crazy, likely an adrenaline mm-hmm. rush that would have taken you some time to, to crash from. I knew so, I would need help. Yeah. So yeah. she soothed you to sleep. Absolutely. And I listened to the direction she gave, some breathing exercises and some visualization exercises. And I was sort of skeptical. I'm going, this is not going to work on me. Kind of like. Everybody knows someone that's been hypnotized yeah. and they come back and they go, ah, that didn't even work. It was like, it's like, dude, you're on the stage for 20 minutes clucking like a chicken. It totally <laughs> <Yeah>. worked on <laughs> you. <laughs> Again, the name of that podcast, Nothing Happens Here, Bedtime Stories for Grown Ups. If you just Google it, you will find it. And if you can't find it, just send us an email and we will get it to you. Mackling at cjob.com, McGarry at cjob.com, or McNabb at cjob.com, or you can just text us, 204-780-6868. Jeff Fortier, who won the tickets for, or pardon me, who won the gift card for Manitoba Turkey Producers? Joe Costa. Joe Costa. Congratulations, Joe Costa. Greg, what did Joe Costa know? He knew that Jerky Turkey was the 1945 animated theatrical short by MGM, and when our loyal listener Kristen texted in immediately, my worries were elated because I was worried that I was going a little too obscure, but obviously no problem for our brilliant listeners. It's Mackling McGarry and McNabb, and we mentioned before Global News at 9 o'clock that there was a dog Outside our studio, and now that dog is in st- inside our studio with our guest, Greg Mackling. Where did you find this next guest? Well, I have to give all the credit to our colleague John Loveland at television down at Portage in Maine, who pointed out uh, Adam's adventure to us collectively, and I said, hey, this is something. This is a story for us, a story that we need to tell. Adam Vosding is here from Tampa, Florida. Welcome to Winnipeg, Adam. You picked the best time of year to come to Winnipeg. And uh, I'm not even, I don't even have my tongue on my cheek because, well, you and I are going to be on opposite sides of things come Sunday evening at Bell MTS Place because you are a huge Tampa Bay Lightning fan. And you were telling me this completes the list for you. It does. So thanks for having me. It's so exciting to be here. I'm kind of quick thing about my story is I'm from Tampa, Florida. Originally, I started a travel and food blog. I'm in the infancy of it called The Traveling Food Dude, and that's traveling with one L, the American way to spell it. I know up here in Canada. That's what was throwing me when I was trying to find you. (laughs) Like, am I spelling this right? So this is the first international stint of my journey so far. Like I said, it started back in September. I drove through Texas and New Mexico and Arizona, Colorado, Nevada, Utah, and I'm a big Lightning fan. My focus is food, but I'm also a big Lightning and sports fan. So I've seen the Lightning play in Colorado uh, against the Golden Knights and then against the Coyotes so far this year. And I'm going to go out to California here right after Winnipeg to see them play the Ducks, the Sharks, and the Kings. Um, But historically before I started doing the food blogging I've been a big hockey fan and I've seen Tampa play in every Canadian arena except for Winnipeg so Winnipeg was always I knew I wanted to get up here I was in Denver last week and I had two weeks to kill before California so I decided to take a quick turn up to Winnipeg (laughs) (laughs) and here I am and what do you think Oh, man, I'm super excited. As soon as I, like, literally probably about seven seven days ago, I decided to come up here, and I got up here on Sunday. So that only gave me a few days to prepare, but I started Googling food things in Winnipeg, and I was super impressed with just all the the list of kind of random stuff and, like, um, indigenous food and prairie food and all this kind of cool stuff. So I got super excited. And so I was born in Ontario, but I've lived most of my life in Florida. Um, But it's always good to come back home, per se. I've never been to Manitoba before, so it's cool to explore the the province. We're in this rarefied air right now where Manitoba and Winnipeg are being mentioned on all these travel blogs and all these lists as a place to go, the place to see, don't miss it. And to the point where, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Brett, Loren, where we're kind of looking around going, is this for real? It's, it's akin to what happened to the Jets in the Western Conference final. It feels as though Winnipeg is maybe finally getting its due and its place on the international stage. I love it. And going back to my, my travels, typically when you pick a place to go to, you're going to pick like the big cities like the New York, Chicago Dallas or whatever and my, on my journey so far I've had such a better time in the smaller the smaller towns it's a little bit less overwhelming and you get to meet the people better so I think Winnipeg has that draw to it and 
for I want to showcase to my friends back in Tampa and in Florida that would think I'm crazy for going to Canada in December. But it's such to me, it's such a cool way to take a vacation. Uh, like half the people I know have, in Florida have never seen snow before. Um, so to come up here for a week and explore the culture, I was I didn't even expect to go to the Manitoba Museum, but I did that yesterday and spent I wish I had like four days to explore that place. But kind of c- to connect the dots between the native land and then the food and the culture and then eventually into sports too. And I mean, you don't get that anywhere else. And especially here in Winnipeg, I think that's a really cool connection. Now I see that uh, one of the places you've been to was the Forks, which has kind of wraps it all up in one spot. You've got tons of food items there as well as you get to experience winter. I was just at the Forks the other day. They've got their little skating trail that goes through the whole thing. I don't get to the Forks a lot, so that blew my mind. I wish I had skates. But what did you think of that when you yeah, saw all that it's winter awesome. stuff? It's awesome. So Kind of comparing it to Tampa is like in a regeneration phase right now, too. So we don't have that many old buildings in Tampa, but there's a place called Armature Works in Tampa, which I kind of saw a lot of similarities to it. But it's really cool. Um, Sometimes I'm hesitant to go to those places because I think they're very commercial and touristy. But I was very impressed with all the local businesses that are in there. And I met the owner of the Forks um, Trading Company. And upstairs in their store there, it was like I could probably spend like four hours walking around that store just looking at all the local products they have. Um, like I learned about garbage mitts, <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is pretty funny. <laughs> so it's all Winnipeggers <laughs> who don't know about garbage mitts. Yeah, like garbage so. mitts. And then obviously Croca Curl I just learned about, which I'm bummed that I don't think it's going to be ready f- for when I'm up here. Um, but all these like cool things. And then again, all the, the rice and different food, like well, birch syrup. Well, the world's skating rink. And we do a curling bond spiel out on the river in February. And so I wanted to ask you, I don't want to run out of time and I don't want to forget this question. Here's the bottom line for me. Do you think that you could convince more than a handful of people to come to Winnipeg in the middle of winter for this type of experience and have people go, yeah, this is this is worth getting on a plane and I want to see this and I want to do this. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure my my so I have my truck here from Florida here and it's dirty and I'm I don't <laughs> like it's you're gonna get a little bit slushy and dirty and your feet are gonna get wet from the snow and everything, but it's all part of the experience. Like I said, I love these small towns or not that Winnipeg's a small town, but just the smaller kind of places where it's more intimate you can really get a good feeling of the community and everything like that. And again, the history, I, the Manitoba history to me is really starting to fascinate me. So absolutely. I think, um, you know, you, I'm, I'm going to be up here for seven or eight days and I'm going to run out of time of things to see. And it's in the winter time too, which is probably considered the off season. So, but just to get that experience of the, the true hockey culture and the food culture up here, absolutely. I was trying to peek under the table to see if he had boots on. Did you at least bring winter boots? Um, I do have three pairs of flip-flops, okay. and I have one pair of hiking shoes <laughs> okay. that aren't, aren't very waterproof. But Well, Adam, we gotta we have to pause and check our forecast here. Just a couple of quick things to start. What day did you get here? Uh, Sunday. And when do you leave? Monday morning. Okay, so if you listening right now have suggestions for the traveling food dude, Adam Vosding, on what he should check out, text us at 204-780-6860. What kind of dog is Holland, by the way? I rescued here from the Humane Society in Tampa. She's like a lab mix. I have my dog Holland with me. She has her lightning bandana on, so if you see her around town, um, give her a pet. She's super friendly, but she's like a lab mix, about 35 pounds. She's very sweet. I put up a quick video on the 680 CJOB Instagram story. We'd love for you to follow us there and have a peek. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb on 680 CJOB. Our guest is Adam Vosting. He is the traveling food dude. He is a Tampa Bay Lightning fan. He is in Winnipeg. Jets and Lightning, what day is that, Greg? That is Sunday at 6 o'clock. And, uh, of course, the Lightning in first place, the Jets are starting to breathe down their neck. And a lot of people predicting Tampa Bay and Winnipeg in the Stanley Cup final. So you picked the right Weekend to come up here, no coincidence though, right, Adam? Yeah, no, not absolutely. You guys are looking good. And it's funny. Last last year, I was in Vegas before the season started, and I put a hundred dollars down on Vegas and a hundred dollars down on Tampa. And I thought for a while I was going to be a guaranteed winner, and then Ovechkin came in and ruined my party. That <laughs> Vegas one would have paid out pretty good too. Yeah. But, no kidding. Um, and I was in Vegas earlier this year, and I I almost I didn't bet anything, but I almost put a hundred dollars down on Winnipeg and Tampa because I'm. 
you got you got to I, I feel like your season last year going as far as you did is what you need to do to make it make that next step. So I'll be excited to see where you guys go. So we're getting some suggestions from our listeners on things you should do or places you should try. Have you been to Assiniboine Park yet to the zoo? No, I have not. Well, one of our listeners says they have a pronghorn named Holland in the zoo, if that helps to sway you. And uh, tomorrow is day one of the North Polar Party. So there's a special polar bear event happening at 1030 uh, in the Tundra Grill viewing area, That's the, the, awesome. our, the the polar bear journey to Churchill exhibit yeah, is we don't renowned. Have, we don't have any polar bears in Florida. <laughs> so if you imagine an aquarium, a lot of the aquariums you have that glass tunnel, right? Where you can, well, we have that for polar bears here, and so you get to walk right underneath the polar bears. So uh, we'd uh, highly suggest that for you. Absolutely, it's very cool. We were talking off air about how the so you're known as the food traveling food dude. So you're about food, but you seem to be a lot about sports. You also love. To learn history, you went to the Manitoba yeah. Museum. A lot of Manitobans, I don't even know if they've been to that museum. Um, if you had to pick a favorite, what, what is it? Food? Sports? Food. Food. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I guess food. <laughs> I, and I'm a big sports fan, so that tells you how much I like food. But I, I've loved to travel. Unfortunately, since pretty much right after, I guess right after my college years, I started traveling a little bit um, and been to a lot of cool places. And then now that I look back upon it. I want to say I took pictures of my food before it was cool to take pictures of your food. It's like... So that um, makes it okay now for you to continue to do it, <laughs> yeah, I feel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm horrible at remembering names, but if you ask me what I ate in a trip to like some random city that I went to like eight years ago, I'd probably tell you every meal I had. So, <laughs> you, Did you make it to the Red Top yesterday? I did. You were yep. at the Red Top. I know you've been to Guns Bakery, Salisbury House. You had a tour of the Cub Bakery. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're loving the outdoor rinks. Yeah, yeah. I have my skates with me. I, I, being born in Canada, and I moved to Florida when I was 10 years old. I did not. I learned to skate. I didn't learn to stop. Um, and then, <laughs> ever since 10 years old, I never skated. But one of the most common questions I was get being in Florida, knowing that I was from Canada, I was like, "Oh, you played hockey," and I, I never did. So about eight years ago, me and a couple guys from work joined a, a beer league in Florida. We took uh, lessons adult beginner lessons on learn to skate to play hockey. So I'm a beginner league veteran now. And you can, can you stop now? Yep, I can stop See? and I can go backwards, but I can't do crossovers <laughs> and I have no shot. I'm a de defensive man. I'm better at stopping goals than scoring goals, but... Um, but I'm a right-handed defenseman, so if anybody out there needs... <laughs> well, don't skill. put that out, because you might get calls to come and uh, suit am, up uh, You can talk to my weekend. agent. <laughs> so can we... Do you, I, I've got your card here. You've got uh, social media, at uh, Traveling Food Dude on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. Travel, and again, that's Traveling Food Dude with one L. So and uh, know the in front of it, just Traveling Food Dude. Um, I'm also connected to a couple groups in Tampa. One, my is called My Area Network. Uh, they're not present up here in Canada yet, but I think in a few years they might have a presence. Um, but if you're interested in things to do down in Florida, check out My Area Network. Uh, great kind of things to do down there. And then also a group called The Identity Tampa Bay. And that's actually a social media platform um, operated by the guy that owns the Lightning. So again, another good resource for things to do down in Tampa. So I hope to kind of connect the two and I hope I can provide content to those platforms to encourage a lot of my hockey fans. Because again, there's a lot of hockey fans in Florida to come up to Winnipeg for a game. Well, Adam, it's been a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for coming in to see us. And thanks for bringing Holland as well. Dog always brightens our day. So we love that. Traveling food dude, Adam Vosting. He's in Winnipeg from Tampa to watch the Jets and enjoy our great city. Thank you very much, Jeff Braun. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And boy, oh boy, sitting right beside me are three wonderful looking beverages that were concocted by our guest. And if you want to see pictures and video, you can go to 680CJOB's Instagram where I've uploaded some of that. Our guest is going to provide us with some holiday drink cocktail ideas for your party. He is a bartender at Garbanzo's. The manager is here, actually. Eric is here. What's the full name? 
Garbanzo's Sports Pub on Ellis. Garbanzo's Sports Pub on Ellis. Thank you very much. And our guest, and I just practiced the name off the air, so I'm going to hopefully nail it here, Bart. Bart Litertorovic. All right, you nailed it. Yes. <laughs> All right. Does that mean I get to have one of these drinks? You after? can have any anyone you want. <laughs> okay, but we're going to arm wrestle over who gets that Caesar. I'll tell you that much. Well, can we share? We could, but you've heard me say throughout the morning I'm not in the sherry mood today. So yeah. I think you just take these drinks to the potluck. You're all set, Brett. <laughs> yeah. Done, done, and done. Grab 30 straws, and you're good. So mm-hmm. you're, first of all, you're the Caesar champ, right? Right. So uh, Mott's Clamato had a competition uh, for the best Caesar in town 2018, and we had a bunch of uh, great uh, Caesars from uh, a bunch of different restaurants. And uh, I won this year, got to go to Toronto to compete in the Nationals, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Wow. And how did you do at Nationals? You won the Nationals too? Uh, no. Uh, so uh, Christopher Cho uh, from Saskatchewan won. Oh, he won last on. year. And you didn't lose won. to a guy from Saskatchewan. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> so I know you maybe don't, you can't divulge the recipe, but can you tell us what what makes a just a good regular Caesar? Like you've got all sorts of fancy stuff in here, but like what's, what's a typical recipe for a Caesar? Uh, well, a Caesar, of course, is Clamato. Uh, it's uh, Worcestershire or... However, you want to pronounce it, nobody, Worcestershire, Worcestershire, <laughs> Worcestershire. Um, of course, you got to have the alcohol in there, the vodka, tequila, gin, whatever you prefer your Caesar with, and uh, Tabasco. But uh, instead of using Tabasco in this one, we used a uh, different kind of uh, hot sauce. It's called spontaneous combustion. Wow, very hot. It's it's our Caesar's very hot. It's the uh, Caesar Diablo. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm a person that always orders that extra spicy. So would this would do you get a lot of sendbacks on this one with the spontaneous oh, it, combustion it, on it? It is hot. It is, uh, but it's not going to uh, really um, like push you over the edge and like it's too spicy. It, the, the heat sits on the back of your throat. You can really uh, you can you can drink this one and go for another one. Okay. Okay. So typically you'd have like the salt and pepper rim, and then back in the day you maybe got a stalk of celery, but that has completely changed in the last decade. <laughs> Who can outdo whom <laughs> with regards to the accoutrements on the Caesar. So what have you got there? How did you rim the glass? And then what else is accompanying it? All right. So we actually used a uh, Dorito and Cheeto uh, jalapeno and cheddar mix uh, on the rimmer. Uh, We rimmed that. We have a pepperoncini on the side there. Uh, We have a celery. Uh, Then we have a skewer of uh, Monterey Jack, a jalapeno. And inside of that skewer is a jalapeno popper. Um, and then on top, uh, garnish it with uh, Dorito, as well as a uh, pepperoni stick. Okay, so the drink's not just hot. <laughs> it's yeah. a Holy, meal. It's, it's a, a full meal. Plus, it's all spicy stuff. And honest to God, if you ask me to pick three of my favorite snacks, they're all in that drink. Yeah. So I don't even, I'm basically just want to grab it and go. That's a Saturday afternoon for you, right <laughs> exactly. there in a glass. Exactly. That's what you call that, Saturday afternoon in a glass. Or a Sunday morning. <laughs> or that. It looks amazing. I'm sure it's delicious. We're looking forward to trying these out. And then besides it there's something in a martini glass here and it's uh it's like a reddish in color there's a candy cane hanging out of it with i guess are these cherries cranberries cranberries okay so what's in this in this concoction right so this is actually uh, one you can make at home for the uh, holiday season it's called the uh, candy cane cocktail uh so we have uh 1.75 ounces of cherry vodka uh Good point- start yeah, oh, sorry. no, it's a great start. Uh, 0.25 of creme de menthe. Uh, it's shaken, uh, added with cranberry, and topped with uh, Schweppes ginger ale. Oh, wow. Schweppes, very, very, very cool. Well, and it looks it in terms of just looking like the holidays. It's very, it's decorative. Like I kind of just want to take it and put it in the corner and it's just pretty. Have, yeah, sweet, very. Put like sweet. a floating candle in it or something like that. Yeah. It would make it like almost like an art thing. Yeah. I, mean, I said I kind of want to do that. I'm not going to do that. We're going to consume this. <laughs> but uh and then what's this there's another one that is that whipped cream? Uh yeah, so that's going to be the second one. We're going to call it the uh, let it snow. Um so uh it's actually a blended drink, uh, kind of like a milkshake. Uh, so we have one ounce of Malibu, um, we have one ounce of Amaretto, uh, two scoops of ice cream, uh, so and uh, six ounces of milk, one ounce of Mr. and Miss T's uh, pina colada mix, uh, shake that up in a blender, uh, whipped cream on top, and the let it snow part is the uh, uh, coating it with um, coconuts, uh, uh, shredded coconuts. Wow. Uh, on the side is going to be a, a cinnamon stick uh, or a wafer, and then, uh, yeah. You got your Where perfect. You go. uh, so the Caesar's lunch, and that one sounds like dessert. Boy, no that's a lot kidding. of calories in that drink. Mm, doesn't matter. You go for a walk after. It's a beautiful day. Hey, uh, one of our listeners wants to know is there a vegetarian alternative to Clamato? Because I don't know what they make Clamato juice from. Is it clam? It's clam. So juice? yeah, cl- there is clam in. Uh, 
uh, in Clamato, it's uh, clam and tomato. Um, so uh, we we usually just use um, cl- uh, Clamato, but I'm sure it would go very well with uh, just tomato juice. Yeah. Uh, it would work perfectly. With, Is there uh, any way you could cut the tomato juice? Uh, any inventive uh, ways? Make that it you, less like, thick. The, yeah, less thick. Could you use a ginger ale or a Seven Up or for the clamato? For, yeah, if you just you know if for tomato, tomato for tomato juice, if it's just a kind of a little bit thick for you, a- any tricks there? Um, I know we're throwing this at you <laughs> on live radio. I didn't mean it. Sorry. I pa- what? Somebody said pickle juice. Uh, Cut pic- it with a little well, bit we, of pickle juice. Yeah, pickle juice would be great. We, we uh, actually had for this one jalapeno juice. Uh, normally uh, for a Caesar, yeah, pickle juice works well. Olive juice works well. We added jalapeno to add to the theme of it, uh, which would be the jalapeno and cheddar theme. So, so Bart, uh, and by the way, if you're listening right now and you're wanting to try and make these drinks at home, I know you probably can't, couldn't write down all the ingredients, but if you go to the audio vault after 10 o'clock at cjob.com, you'll be able to listen to it. And we'll make sure this is in our podcast as well. So you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you find them, and then you'll be able to get all the ingredients there and you can listen at your own pace. Um, but when it comes to creating drinks, like these recipes, for example, are these your recipes? Uh, th- these are the recipes that uh, myself and the kitchen manager uh, made to, to, together actually yesterday. <laughs> we, we, uh, we tried them all out. Uh, some of them uh, we needed to tweak and uh, change up. Uh, so we spent uh, afternoon yesterday uh, changing up. We tried to do the Kenny King cocktail as a uh, actually uh, like a tall drink. Uh, we found that it works better in a martini, uh, especially with the creme de menthe uh, adds kind of potency to it, but it makes it taste more minty and like more of a candy cane, a traditional candy cane. Okay. So you'll actually sit around and try like three different concoctions and say that doesn't work, and then the glass makes a difference. Like it's, it's a different type of drink. So uh, using a cocktail, it's just more mix. A martini is a more of a stronger. It's a two ounce drink. But less of it. Uh, so less mix, more alcohol always works. Uh, but it. <laughs> It actually does. Uh, it makes it taste a lot better. Is it hard to come up with a new drink? Like, or is it or maybe the question is: Is it hard to get it right? Once you know what the different types of alcohols taste like and what goes with what, it's easy to put two and two together. And uh, you know, these two alcohols work together. And for example, uh, candy cane. What does a candy cane taste like? You got mint. You got the sweetness. So creme de menthe. We used cherry vodka. Those work together perfectly. Uh, with cranberry and ginger ale, and that makes that makes a great uh, candy cane cocktail. So we got two great suggestions here from our listeners. One was to use the capital K uh, dill pickle vodka. Oh, I was going to mention that. Yeah, good. Uh, Thanks for the reminder. Right with the tomato juice. If you were looking for the vegetarian option, and the one that none of us thought of, we have br- brilliant listeners. V eight. Use a V8. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. That'll take care of all that. I still feel like Boom. there's a difference. Like a, well, but, there'll be a difference. But, of course. There are sacrifices if, to be <laughs> well, made, Loren. I just, not on you my Caesar. You cannot have it all. I can in that Caesar. That Caesar has it all. It does <laughs> It's like a whole lunch in there. At this time of year, when you make the more Christmassy or holiday drinks, do you ever get those asked for outside of the uh, holiday like season? Home? No, I mean, like, like I, I'm in the mood right now, say, from eggnog, but I wouldn't be in March. But do you find that every once in a while someone comes in and they want that pepperminty or candy cane type flavor? Of those? course, yeah. It's the Christmas holidays. Everybody wants to be in the uh, Christmas spirit, spirit right? So, uh, yeah, no, we, we always, uh, even at home, I, I, I'm like for the holiday seasons, you know, for the family, I always make up drinks and, uh, yeah. Are you harassed when you get when you come to the Christmas dinner? Like, oh, yeah. To, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm I'm always the bartender at, <laughs> at home. Uh, anybody wants a drink, I always have to pour it. So, <laughs> how long have you been doing this? How did you get into? You know, it's one thing to be creative, but this is, uh, in my mind, ultra creative. And I I was in the business for a long time, so I'm I'm very impressed. Yeah. So I started off. We actually opened our uh, Garbanzo Sports Bar Manalis there location. Uh, I think it was about ten months ago, and that's actually where I, when I started bartending. So I've been doing this for about ten months now. About ten months and uh, love it, loved it ever since. I, I guess I haven't been doing it for long, but I, you know, I, I used to uh, serve and uh, like uh, I used to work at the old location that we had on Pemda there, and uh, went into bartending in this one. Uh, really enjoyed. I, I picked it up quickly. It's uh, once you know how uh, food works, bartending becomes easy because I used to do. I used to work in the kitchen, so it, it's it, it goes uh, well together. 
Bart Litertorovic. He is the bartender at Garbanzo's Sports Pub on Ellis, and he has provided us with some holiday drink ideas. Again, you can see pictures and video on our Instagram, and if you want to get the recipes again, check our audio vault at cjob.com after 10 o'clock, or you can subscribe to the podcast, and we'll make sure this segment gets into that as well. Bart, thank you so much for coming in. Great to meet you. Thanks for having me. And thanks as well, Eric, from manager over at Garbanzo's, for helping to set this up. This is wonderful, and we're excited to try this stuff out. The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.